Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show, and I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I am joined by Dave Somerville. Oh, hello. Yes, I'm first. Jake McGee. Hello. Patrick Jackson. Good afternoon or evening, depending on whatever you consider 20 past 5 to be. And because this is our 100th episode of the WinFL Show, we are joined by a fantastic guest, host of the Nat Coombs Show podcast, uh, Mr. Nat Coombs himself, former presenter. How are you, Nat? Hi, I'm my former presenter now. <laughs> 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 you just lost your job, apparently. Oh, my word. <laughs> That was that was that was that was pretty bad. Would you like me to redo that? I'm happy to no, redo no, that. No, 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 that's Adults, adults, Ian. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I said that, I mean, back in what was it, 2000, 2007, when you were doing the Channel Five American Football Show? God, with... I have, I've run the gauntlet, haven't I? Yeah, two thousand seven yeah. was the. The first year I turned pro, that was my rookie season. So that was Channel Five, and I had I had three years there with Iron Mike, and then I moved to um, I moved to ESPN for the first time actually. So then I moved uh, NFL wise to Radio Five, and then I went back to Channel Four, um, and then when the rights moved to the BBC, I went there, and now we're Talk Sports. So kind of I've kind of bounced everywhere really. I wonder what does that make me the NFL playing equivalent of? Who's had? Am I like the Vinny Testaverde of, uh, <laughs> of Vinny Te- yeah, Possibly, I don't know, Bernie Kozad, Vinny Testaverde. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Uh, nice Fitzpatrick. Don't mind him. Yeah, Tyron Taylor. Yeah, yeah Tyron Taylor, Ryan Fitzmagic, oh. the Lord. I like all, all of those, a little bit of each of those wrapped, in, wrapped into one. Listen, straight off the bat, I've got, I've, got a, I've got to call something out. Straight off the bat, Patrick Jackson... AKA the professor from Americanish days, am I right? <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, yes. It's, it's thanks to you, Americanis, that I'm here today. So uh, appreciate I, that. I knew this was a good. It was a good choice coming on this show. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. I don't know whether you've got visuals sitting here in my team carnage hoodie and Sonny Stevenage. Just uh, oh, are you team carnage? There you go. Love that old school carnage. Well, yeah, you are. But for listeners who remember Americanish, the, the professor, of course, was a was a keeper, hall of famer, Americanish hall of famer. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great, to, great to connect with you again, man. I'm glad, uh, glad all's going well on the pod. Indeed, thank you. Yeah, uh, he has his own uh, his own podcast as well, the Long Snapper Podcast that Patrick does with uh, some other guys. But he's a regular here on the WinFL show and uh, an invaluable source of information. Absolutely. Yes. Invaluable. Well, that's something. Something's never changed. That's exactly his role on on Carnage, of course. So that's that's great to see. That's great to see. It is indeed. Uh, now, you're a Dolphins fan, Nat. So. Give, oh, us, yeah. your, give yeah. us your opinion on the 2023 season for your Miami Dolphins and what are you expecting going into 2024? But, you know, it's, uh, it's a great question. Let's lead off with that. So, I mean, as a lifelong Dolphins fan who has timed it to perfection that I've never actually seen ultimate success as a Dolphins fan, it feels like a perfect snapshot of the, uh, of the team that I fell in love with as a kid um, and has, I guess, continually perpetually flattered to deceive right so uh, this year i started to believe a little bit i thought okay this could be this could be the one this could be the year um and the injury significantly derailed the season and and i know every team has to deal with injury but obviously there are degrees of that and i think it's fair to say that in terms of timing and and extent um miami probably along with buffalo actually i think buffalo would, would, Mm. would put themselves up there you know, amongst the most affected. And um, it's frustrating to think how the season might have gone 
if uh, if we suffered slightly less uh, in terms of injury. But all in all, hugely positive about the future, but disappointed that the season ended so uh, in the manner that it did, given the way that it started. And uh, obviously the draft's coming up now. Super Bowl's been and gone. Uh, what are you looking for? What's the sort of one piece you'd think the Miami Dolphins might look to to, to really solidify their place challenging uh, again for the AFC East? God, well, that's uh, I mean, we were talking about the draft. It'd be the first of probably 55 episodes about the draft um, that we're going to put out on, on the Nat Coombe show before, uh, before draft day with the brilliant Ben Isaacs, who I'm sure some of your listeners will know. I think the line is offensive line is where we need to strengthen the most. And it feels like it's an okay year for that. Thank God we're not one of those teams that, um, that is desperately scrabbling around for, for a quarterback. Although um, there was some frisky talk, wasn't there towards the end of the season and going into that, uh, into the, the Super Bowl fortnight that um, with, with Chicago being in the spot that they're in and they're touting fields around and would, would Miami look at fields? And I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any logic in that at all, but the, the, the sense, logical sense prevailing that we will stick with Tua for one more year. So I think anywhere I'd look right now would be the offensive line, strength in the line, I think. Yeah, well, it's always a good good place to start. Uh, now, we're going to try to see if the guys have any questions for you at all. Uh, Jake McGee, do you have any questions for Nat at all? Yeah, so the franchise tag or the transitional tag opened yesterday. It runs till the, the 5th of March. And the Dolphins, likely Christian Wilkins. What are your thoughts on that? Are you wanting to, to tag him? Are you hoping they figure out a long-term deal with him? Yeah, definitely the latter. Um, I mean, he's such an instrumental piece. And um, I've, always been, I've always been in two minds about the, um, the impact that a franchise tag has, both in terms of the dynamic between the player and the team, the message it sends um and in this situation i think he's if you identify x number of players that are your cornerstone pieces he, he's one of them so they can get the deal done well a hundred percent i would like like to like to see that it tagging is a really really fascinating thing we again we, was, we recorded a show earlier today actually we we're talking about you know you take one jacobs players like that that one and done tags really in, in like that don't majority tag saquon again i, I think the Raiders will move on from Josh Jacobs as well. And you look at what happened with Jacobs last year. He's a good prototype, right? It was it was his worst season as a pro, I think, wasn't it? Um, with all of that, all of that situation. So I don't think I think tagging tends to be an awkward compromise. Uh, I think you want to try and avoid it at all costs. Only time I think it makes a huge amount of sense. It, well, obviously, if you've got to do some salary cap shenanigans, but. Um, if, if you're a little bit unsure about whether I want to give this player a, a, a long-term deal um, at the rate that they're looking at, and will one more year buy me, given the way the market's going, something in my favor? Again, rarely I think that happens. So running backs makes a lot of sense because obviously they're quite transient these days. But other positions, if you identify them as key players, it's a last resort, I think. I hope someone lets Trent Bocky know that about franchise tagging because it's looking like we're going from Evan Engram last year to Josh Allen this year and it's just a way to really annoy your marquee franchise players to uh, put them through that uncertainty in their, their contract season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's exactly right. It's unsettled. And, you know, you get the mercenary nature of the game and I think most players are quite... Um, are quite pragmatic about that, right? And you talk to most players about that, and they get it. They get that it's a ruthless business. 
I'm going to be out for what I can get equally. I understand that teams, uh, uh, you know, teams aren't going to blink. Um, if, if they need to move on for financial reasons, then, you know, we we're in an era or we're part of a generation, but we celebrate that, you know, we celebrate the look at better and how he's the master at selling high. And when he doesn't see uh, a three, four, five year value at the deal now, even if for the first couple of years, he's going to get an elite marquee player. He'll, he'll more often than he would have more than the past tense now as, as a Patriot would have dealt as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to have done that deal. And I'm not sure I'd, I'd buy into that. And I know that there have been elements of front office behavior that have bucked that trend in recent years and the Rams, I guess the prototype of, Hey, let's just mortgage the future. Let's mortgage the next 20 years for, for a Super Bowl win now and chuck money win right now. And so retaining a player that you think, okay, Looking at the analytics, there was the you know the MIT grads on your staff will tell you, yeah, by year three or four he's going to fall off a cliff. So don't spend the money. Yeah, but what about years one, two, and we can win now and windows they don't stay open forever. So I'm all for if you're if you're sure that he's a marquee player, an elite player, just take care of him, sort him out, lock him in, and everything else find a way to fix that. But to uh, to Patrick's point, I completely agree. Don't don't frustrate the hell out of him. Uh, and your head coach and everybody, and your fan base by just this short term is in handcuff. It's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Dave, do you have anything for that? Of course. I mean, uh, I, I've literally, as well, when I came into the NFL really and getting detailed, it was Channel 5. Then it was Channel 4. So Nat's like, I don't know. I, I've heard Nat as much of, as I've heard my own mother. So, you know. <laughs> oh, go God, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I've got more in common with you than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty much the case. But um, what I was going to ask you, well, more less about the Dolphins, but more on a personal level. Um, so mm. I, I catch you, uh, well, Brett, on your podcast mostly, but do you have any other, I mean, like you said, you run the gauntlet. I mean, you got me into uh, the baseball. I mean, that would have been what, 10, 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. years ago almost. Um, so yeah. I was quite an avid listener. A listener, I was kind of an avid watcher. That would be about 2010, maybe that around then. Yeah, right. But That's right. Do, yeah. do you have any other, say, ambitions or um, desires to either move into another sport or to have you, have you got any kind of plans that I, I'm not asking for a hot take, but you know, if you're offering, I'm happy, I'll happily accept. But do you have any other? kind of um ambitions and maybe future plans to go into uh something else or an, another area of your of your career which let's let's be honest you've already done amazing so far and eclipsed anything oh, all, of, all of us together will be able to uh, accomplish but i am curious though so. oh thank you man i really appreciate you saying that um well yeah i look at i look i'm a glass half full kind of guy and uh i look at my career to date as one that i've been very lucky and um, with and privileged to do a lot of the things I've done. Although, you, you know, be under no illusions. And I'm sure you guys know this, there's a lot of graft and, and grind that goes into it. I mean, before I got, I didn't just get parachuted into channel five, although it might mm-hmm. look like it was my first season, <laughs> but um, the, uh, the um, you know, the road was quite a, a long one, you know, doing, I did start as a stand up. I did a lot of work on the ground, you know, playing clubs and pubs on the open mm-hmm. mic circuit to seven people looking at me <laughs> disinterested um, and can work your way up. And I got, so I got, you know, I got signed, I got, a, I got an agent. I started to get um, opportunities and, uh, and obviously the NFL being in love with it since I was a kid was one of them. 
um, that, are, that are around with. And it's been really good to me. And I'm very um, pragmatic about the the nature of the, the business that we're in. It's very similar to playing, actually. Now, you know, I was talking to J-Bell about this. Um, obviously, we were all out in Vegas together because um, mm-hmm. I was doing that game the Super Bowl with Talk Sport and he was, he was doing it for ITV and we, we, we uh, were out there but I worked with him um, just before we went out um, in a, like a corporate event in London basically um, Q&A with J-Bell and we were talking about the parallels with playing and, and broadcasting it is a cutthroat business it's, mm-hmm. a, it's one that is transient you know it, it, the, the party always finishes um, and you need to put in a lot of grind along with the ability, but also you need to get certain breaks and you just got to kind of roll with, with the punches. So it's also, it's a long, long game as well without that being a contradiction that it will end eventually, but at the same time, there are, you've got to, got to go with ups and downs in it. I've been really lucky because I pretty much worked, uh, um, I guess, a, I guess a high level all the way through the 20 odd years that I've been doing it. Um, in terms of sports that, outside of i mean nfl has always been my number one love and my, and my passion yeah um i've done a lot of football over the years but I, 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 it was interesting you kind of have to pick your lane there are a few exceptions to this of course um but generally it, it got to the point where i was doing more and more football i did i mentioned espn and i was doing a lot of, of um i had a premiere like a chat show with kelly cates on on espn and i was doing a lot of european football and then i moved to the guardian and did a whole load of football video there and bleacher reports so there's been quite a lot of things in you know over the years football based but i've had to make certain decisions when you kind of have to go all in and it would have meant leaving um at least the way my career trajectory went leaving american sports and particularly nfl behind it i didn't want to do that so um i kind of backed back to that side of it and i think the podcast has been a natural evolution of working for so many broadcasters over the years and as a presenter, as a, as a hired gun, um, showy as it might be being an anchor or a host, you're at the mercy of other people. So creating yeah. my own show and building my own um, my own thing was the logical next step. So in terms of next um, ambitions for me, is just to really growing the Nat Coombe show, really building out that mm-hmm. which has gone so far so good. Um, I mean, obviously I'm doing uh, other work around that. And I also have... Um, media business interests which i've always kind of maintained because that was the other thing too when i when i got into this i thought shit i don't want to be in my 40s 50s presenting shows that the 15 16 year old self version of me would have looked at and thought who is that what are they doing why why are they doing that (laughs) just to pay just to pay the bills so having um having i guess retained business interests and i absolutely loathe the word entrepreneur but somebody, mm-hmm. I guess, who mm-hmm. has mo- multiple media businesses, I guess I would fit in that category. And that's allowed me to pick and choose the presenting work that I've done more than maybe if I just just had relied on that for, for income. Sometimes I would have had to compromise. So, um, yeah, that, so it's been a, an incredible journey. Um, and, and one that certainly as far as the NFL is concerned, I hope keeps on, keeps on rolling. Uh, I think, I mean... Well, the, the way the NFL has exploded, even just over the past couple of years compared to, it's grown every year, but over the last two or three years, it's gone completely bonkers multinationally. And uh, obviously mm. we've got the London games, uh, Nat, and you know another three this year. Um, are you going to be attending mm. any of the games or uh, do you know any anything yeah, else that's I, going on there? Well, 
Yeah, I should be. So the um, the broadcast contract I have right now is with, with Talk Sports. So I'm in a three-year contract with them. So this will be the third of, of three years. So I'll be anchoring those again, I think, for um, for Talk Sport. Um, but, you know, the merry-go-round happens again, right? So the ITV, so the, when, the, when the BBC rights changed and moved to ITV, and Laura obviously did the first year, and, um, uh, and they're now in the year going into year three, right? So that deal will be up. And so that those rights might kind of bounce and land somewhere else again. So the long term, I, I don't know. Let's see what the future holds there. But as, as far as this coming year is concerned, it will be, yeah, it'll be, um, be, be talk sport. And, you know, I love doing radio actually, because as a kid, I don't know whether you guys, I mean, um, Patrick will remember from, from carnage days, we used to talk about this, but um, I, I fell in love with the game as a kid, turning it on, telly on channel four but i used to listen to american forces radio and yeah. listen to super Bowls under my covers at um you know three in the morning when i should have been asleep so i mean that that it might rank up there that having just got back from vegas the um the super bowl in vegas i think could rank up there with one of my all-time favorite favorite broadcasts i did it with jeff reinbold um and that's the first time we worked together on a live show before because you know usually we've been on different channels right when mm-hmm. the game's like that it's a different kind of skill and different kind of, and one that I'm still, even I've done a fair bit of studio radio, like doing in stadium stuff. I'm used to doing, I've done much more telly than radio there. So that feels like a new, new challenge um, in itself. And it was something special, something I love about that. So yeah, I'm really excited about the London games this year. Munich as well. We'll be out in Munich. Obviously Madrid's been announced. So yeah, you, you're spot on. The game is, um, is absolutely going global. And, and it's, it's a good thing that it is as well. Uh, and I just wanted to say to you, by the way, I was listening to you to your show the other day, and I'm in complete agreement with you that Kyle Shanahan was correct in in taking Thank the ball you. in order. And I said it on our podcast the other week. Dave's shaking it. his head here, but he I was absolutely <laughs> correct. I'm with you, Nat. Gee, the, the funny thing on that is that we put a video out of it, and if you listen to the pod, you would have heard this. But if you just saw the video on um, on social, you wouldn't. When I finished, what I thought was a really articulate, sensible, balanced argument. Carlson, he'd be nodding all the way through, just goes, hmm, okay. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking when you were saying that. I brought it up on the pod. Well, wait a minute. Well, yeah, I know, but I did, you know, listen, Nat and I are right. He was correct. Okay. So I don't care what Mike Carlson says. You know who right. else is That's a lie. You know who else is in our camp? The great Bill Barnwell, because Barnwell's written a big piece for ESPN about it. And he is definitely pro stop the Shanahan hate. This mm-hmm. is, you know, on so many levels, analytically. And, uh, and this is the thing that winds, analytically it's pretty even with, with one of his points, but this is the thing that winds me up about it. That everybody kind of wades in to say, what the hell, what the hell was he doing? Like, there's no real precedent. In fact, there's no precedent of that situation because the rules are so new that nobody's been in that situation mm-hmm. in a Super Bowl. And you've got to take the context of the game into play. And actually, I think that's, and this was the argument um, that I was trying to make, which is it's, it's a pretty logical bet. You're backing your team to score seven. Okay, they didn't, but you're, you're taking the ball first. You're backing your team to do that. Pretty likely the Chiefs are going to score and it will have to be seven. Um, and if it's not, we won. And if they do score seven, then we get a shot to, to ice the game. Like the, the fact that he's acknowledging it's likely Mahomes and Reed are going to score here mm-hmm. is exactly the argument that's being thrown against him. So I, I, I'm completely fine with the decision. 
And yeah. can we just stop this ridiculous overreaction, hot take, Shanahan? Hey, he's one of the best coaches of his generation. He's going to be back. He's going to win a Super Bowl. Everyone said the same thing about Andy Reid for years. And now, yeah, <laughs> now look, it's turned out pretty well for him. So everyone calm down a bit. They've all got very short memories. They do, Patrick. Yes. He's going to be nothing without Clint Kubiak now. This is what I have to put up with on a weekly basis. Um, listen, oh. Nat, <laughs> we really appreciate you stopping by. We know you're a busy guy, so we, we don't want to keep too much of your time. But uh, did you by any chance manage to source a random stat for us? For our 100 I did. Episodes? And I, I should say happy birthday, fellas, as well. 100, epi- 100 episodes, right? Is, um, hey. <laughs> is no mean feat at all. I mean, it's impressive stuff. So, so keep going. I did. Um, I did uh, put something together for you, which, again, and not knowing that the, the, the prop is going to be on, he will love love this, I hope, as well, because it's a bit of a carnage throwback in the sense that it's uh, it's punter news, which was always a big feature on Americans. We still wheel it out on the NC show every now and then. So am I right? And I hope I haven't completely bores this up. You wanted me to pull out uh, my favorite NFL stat. Just any stat yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm. The shortest punt in, in NFL history is my, is my stat. For you now it's it's often um misappropriated so a guy called jerry de poiesta is often <laughs> given the infamous um the infamy of the, the shortest pump but i looked into it and uh, it is a guy called sean landetta remember him sean landetta if you do that's a giant deep dive you yeah he was a giant yeah. hell that's impressive yeah he was a giant yeah in the 80s um negative seven yards <laughs> was his wow. shortest run. and it was returned for a touchdown <laughs> so not only, not only was it just an unbelievably bad point um but but also cost his team cost his team six as well so uh i salute you sean adetta um i'm you know i love the fact that you have players who unbelievable athletes probably ridiculously consistent for his entire career, but a negative seven punt. I mean, even, even propo from, from my show would, would do better than that. Mm. Would do better than that. So that is my stat for you. That's my favorite stat. I'm going to try and seek it out. Um, Cause when you told me to, to find something, I thought I'm going to look at that. I'm going to try and see if there's video of it. Um, because if there is, I'm going to watch it at I, least 55 times today. I, I think there is, because I'm sure I've seen that. And I'm going to say it was against the Bears, but I'm not 100% sure. Because I think it wasn't blocked. So, you know, block counts don't count. Block punts don't count. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So it must have, like... <laughs> it's it's just like a windy day. I got kick it back <laughs> over his own head or something. <laughs> I miskicked it. It must have... I mean, how... Can you just imagine it from a kickoff, like you know, kind of stub, you know, your foot kind of toe stubs in, and you just completely miskick yeah. it, and it almost spins backwards. I mean, he must have just shanked it. I want to see it. Now. I want to see it shanked it, and it just kind of just flew vertically, and then the wind caught it and bounced backwards. I mean, incredible stuff. Minus um, yards. Yeah, Sean Landetta. There you go. There we go. Thank you very much. Uh, and. Uh, Bef- obviously before you go just get the guys to see our final goodbye to you Nat but listen thank you so much for coming on we really we, honestly we cannot thank you enough uh, Ben Isaacs passed, said listen give give Nat a buzz and I thought that's never gonna reply to us uh, and you did so thank you very much and hopefully at some point in the future we might even get you on again in a 200th episode or something like that 
It would be my pleasure. I will be there. Lock it in now. 200, I mean, you can count it. Put it, put it in the diary now. 2026 or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jake, do you have anything uh, final before before we say goodbye to Nat? Just thank you very much for your time and for our 296th random start. Oh, I'm glad I'm 296. I like that number. That's oh, good. We're on I'm course for 800. Uh, Patrick? I mean, good luck in the contract year. I'm sure that bodes well for all the watchers and listeners because we all know contract year's the year everyone excels. <laughs> yeah, thanks, bro. I will. I'll, you know, I'll be bringing my A game next year after after a couple of years of indifference and uh, <laughs> an abject. What way you have the game to bring? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. And finally, Dave. No, just thank you for bringing up the Jake Moody of punters. As I'm a oh. Rams fan, I absolutely love that one. That's brilliant. Low blow. Low blow. Shocking. All, all love. All love. Uh, no, thank you, Nat. Yeah, thank you very Pleasure, much. Man. We really appreciate you. Uh, thanks for taking so much time to speak to us. And, um, you know, as I say, hopefully we'll, we'll catch you in two years' time with a 200th episode. Um, and uh, once again, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, all our listeners, big thank you to Nat Coombs. Take care, fellas. Thanks, guys. All the best. So what we'll do, guys, is, um, as as already mentioned by Patrick, um, We've had 296 random stats. This is our 100th episode. Um, so I'll tell you what. Let's 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 do this. We'll do random stats just now. We've got more random stats to come. We've got more guests. We're not done yet. Jake McGee, would you like to give us our 297th random stat, please? Absolutely. And this is a shout-out to Ben Isaacs, who will hopefully be joining us. Uh, he's a, a Bears fan, and I found the stat that I thought was interesting and, and both kind of sums up the Bears at the moment. Uh, so the only player who appeared in a game for the Bears in 2019 who is still on the team's roster, this is a, a bit of a shout-out to Patrick as well, is the long snapper, Patrick Scales. Every other team in the NFL has at least four players still on the roster who appeared in a game for them in 2019. Wow. I- don't believe you. What? That's ridiculous. Wow. They've got rid of 52. Oh, I'm saying 52. 52, like, starting players, if you want to call it that. You know what I mean? Um, In, in four years. That's unbelievable. Yeah, going, into the, going into the fifth year. Which, you know, you think just a rookie alone, you know. Well, they, they got rid of so many great players. They traded the entire... <laughs> so many great players. That's shocking. That's absolutely that came from the head of NFL research, so it better be correct. You know, <laughs> I'll be very upset if that's not correct. Hey, we've got our own head of NFL research right here in Patrick. Um, Patrick, would you like I'm to give to us up who the Jackie was for who was still there? I think probably Cam Robinson and Tyler Shatley, but the other two who's your long snapper? It might be him. No, Ross Matasic's more recent than that. I've got oh. his jersey. <laughs> of course Sandy was an undrafted rookie free agent in 2000 sorry 2021 I think so you're telling me the Cardinals couldn't put out Josh Dobbs their starting quarterbacks jersey but you have a long snapper jersey for the Jaguars I mean, <laughs> well done to the Jaguars you know showing a bit of respect for their players absolutely 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 uh, Dave would you like to go next number 29 I've already eight. lost 298 <laughs> Random stat number 298 by Dave Somerville. 
yeah, you almost got caught up in like you do every week, counting back which week it is as it's well. It's difficult. But it's difficult. Trust it, me. Yeah, yeah. Just as well you don't work in finance. But anyway, let's let's move on. So, uh, so my random stat: there are three players, and only three players, who have played against the Cowboys three times or more, who have rushed on average for at least 115 yards. Okay, in these games. All right, now, number three on the list, Walter Payton, averaged 115 yards per game against the Dallas Cowboys. Number two on the list, Barry Sanders, averaged 119 yards in, in his games against the Cowboys. Now, the player at the top has actually played four times against the Cowboys and averages 122 yards per game rushing. Uh, he averages 21 attempts per game, which is 5.9 yards per carry. And he has nine rushing touchdowns against them in that time. Would anyone like to take a guess at who this gentleman is? Uh, right. Without wanting to sound like, uh, because of you, Dave, but I'm going to sound like that. Marshall Falk? Yeah. Marshall Falk. Okay. So any raise in Marshall Falk, Jake McGee? I, I want to go out there. I want to go like Alfred Morris. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a nice you one. You never know. Yeah. Now, the the man himself, Patrick Jackson, do we have any reason on that? It's a tricky one, isn't it? You've got the whole of history to go with. I can't remember most of that. <laughs> uh, let's go Miles Sanders. Why not? Miles Sanders. Wow. Well, it, it may not come as a surprise, but you, none of you got it right. Think of the last game the Cowboys played this year. Aaron Jones has 122 yards on average because in his four games against the Cowboys, he rushed for 125, 107, 138, and 118 yards. And he scored scored a touchdown every single game. In his 107-yard game, he got four touchdowns, and of course, he got three in the most recent one. So, big shout out to Aaron Jones, who over four games averaged 122 yards against the Cowboys. And that Fantastic. is my random stat. Fantastic. That's great, Dave. I love it. I love it. Thank love you. It. Do you know, I think, I think, gentlemen, it's probably only right and fair if I take number 299 for the random That's- stats. Mm. And I shall defer, unlike Kyle Shanahan, uh, I shall defer number 300 to our Statric Jackson over here. Mm. Our very own Patrick. So I'm <laughs> going to do number I'm going to do number 299. I, I do have a bonus random stat for later on, just because I saw something, uh, not so much a stat, but a wee story, and I thought, oh my word, that's incredible. Uh, but my random stat, number 299, concerns playoff quarterbacks and a particular stat which is yards per completion in the post season i know yes now <laughs> yeah. number one uh, and, and some of the, some of these are great number one with 32.5 yards per completion is bernie masterson of the 19 the 19 37 Chicago Bears. I'm assuming it was the Bears. I can't remember when they were the Cardinals. Chicago, anyway. 
1937. The second one, uh, he's way above anyone else. The next one is um, Arnie Herbert, Hall of Famer for the Green Bay Packers. The very following year, 1938, he went 24.6 yards per completion. Now, there's That's lots the minimum of... Minimum completions here. I'm sorry. You know, has to, has to, oh, no yeah, no. It, yeah, I, I forget what the exact uh, thing is. The the minimum requirements uh, are. In fact, you know what? While I'm doing is it, it, one. I oh no no. Um, <laughs> a minimum of ten pass attempts per game. Wow, that makes it way more impressive. You know, um, and uh, well, sorry, ten pass attempts per game over fourteen games. Uh, or 64 game minimum for all rate stats and career or active leaderboards. But this is single seasons. That's that's not career. Um, so there's been loads. There's some great names on here. We've got Johnny Unitas, uh, who comes mm-hmm. in fifth, 22.9. Norm Van Brocklin. Legend. Legend. Uh, 22.7 in 1960. Um, you've got John Elway in 1987 at 19 yards per completion. George Blanda. Uh, back in the days with the Houston Oilers, 18.80 is 20th on the list. But I'm going to talk about the guy who's third on this list. Third on the list. Now, keep in mind, the first two are 1937 and 1938. Uh, numbers 4, 5, and 6 are 70, 1970, 1960. You then go 1940s, 1930s again. Arnie Herbert, again, tied 7th, 21.5 in 1936. But a third on this list was 23.8 yards per completion in the postseason in 2011. Tim Tebow. <laughs> Get out. And that is my random stat. I don't think he completed 10 passes. Of course he did. Tim Tebow, everyone, for, everyone forgets about his 2011 season. His 2011 season was ridiculous. Ridiculous! No one forgets about it. It was his only season in the playoffs. Man was a tight end three years later in in the playoffs. <laughs> well, actually, funny you say that because my second random stat, which will be later on, actually concerns a player uh, from back in the day who switched positions. Um, in the playoffs, Tim Tebow went nineteen of forty-seven. So that's forty point four completion percentage, four hundred and fifty-two yards, two touchdowns. How many receptions? Um, zero. Didn't throw any interceptions. Wow, no, that's impressive. He threw, what, 30 incomplete passes and not one of them was incomplete, uh, intercepted. Uh, yeah, and uh, his yards per completion was 23.8. To be fair, that came down a bit because the game against Pittsburgh, he was 31.6 per completion. That was the one where uh, Demanius Thomas, RIP, DT, um, had four catches for 204 yards and a touchdown. And a 50, I, I know, you're like 51, 51 yards per reception average in that ridiculous overtime game against the Steelers. So uh, that was random stat number 299. Number 300 on our 100th episode, it could not be anyone other than Mr. Patrick Jackson. Please tell us, what is your random stat? Well, Tom Grossi's Kitty Goes Meow sketch got me thinking, has there ever been a season where all of the cat teams at once had winning records? 
So I went back to when the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars joined the Detroit Lions and the Cincinnati Bengals to make it four cap teams in the league and tracked through all of those seasons to try and find one with four winning records. And there, to date, has not been one, thanks largely to where uh, Carolina letting the side down. Although, also everyone has spells of real poorness throughout. The best season for the four combined is a uh, um, .609 season. 39 wins, 25 losses between the three of them. That happened in 2005, but Detroit went 5-11 and 11 and ruined the streak for all of us. Uh-huh. And it happened again in 2015. Um, and that season, there was two big winners, Carolina and Cincinnati, but the Jags and the Lions both went... Um, had losing seasons. Tragedy. Tragedy ensued. And um, this season... Three with winning records, but Carolina two and fifteen for the one, two, three, four, five, sixth season in a row with a losing record. They are a tragic franchise, and with Tepper involved, it doesn't look like they're going to get back into winning ways anytime soon. It's a sad state of affairs. Shout out to two thousand and one, the worst combined record for uh, all of those four franchises. Four losing records, 15 wins, 49 losses between the four franchises, 0.234 percentage combined. Miserable for everyone concerned. That's just horrible. Let's hope they had their own draft picks that year. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I wonder what the, the Birds franchises look like in comparison um, how many? Five? Is there five Bards franchises? I can never remember. The Falcons, the Eagles, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, Ravens. Ravens. Is that five? Is that five? Yeah. There you go. Although I don't Pretty think a Seahawks teams. a real bird. Just saying. I don't. I don't think it's an actual bird. I'll tell you what. I'll Seahawks. go back in time and try and find a winning season for all five <laughs> of them. That's surely got to be harder. Imagine if there's only four of you and you fail something that five teams have managed. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um. Well, well recent you, times, you, it's really only the Falcons that have been a bit mediocre, and even they've had good years in between. Yeah, the Cardinals and the Falcons. Actually, yeah, do you know what? I, I reckon there probably is a couple of seasons where they all had uh, winning records. There must, there must be. Because the Ravens have been pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> the Ravens have been really good for a long time. Actually, do you know what? While we have time, while we have time... um. I'm going to give you another random stat. 301. Um, oh, Patrick's spreadsheet is going to be out of control after this episode. <laughs> apologies. Somebody should have briefed Patrick on this. I know, we should have done. Sorry, Patrick. But I've got another random stat here. It's number 301. Um, and, I, and it's only because we're talking about the Ravens. I saw this uh, this morning. I think it was on Twix. And I was like... That cannot be right, but I think it. I think it is right. I've not double checked it, but it's from a fairly reliable source, uh, Barry McCockner. So, um, the Baltimore Ravens' defensive ranks in points allowed per drive since 1999. Since 1999, which was their first year in the league. No, second year in the league. Is that right? First year, the Ravens. So V two. Yeah. yeah. The Browns V2. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
they finished 20th twice. And that's their lowest ranking since 1999. 20th in the league, and they've done it twice. 15th once, 13th once, 11th twice. Then they finished 9th, 8th, 7th, 5th twice, 4th five times, 3rd once, 2nd four times, and 1st four times. The Baltimore Ravens' defense since 1999, points allowed per drive, has, I mean, you can argue about, you know, in, in 2013, the Legion of Boom, and in 2015, the, the no-fly zone, you know, they, they were finishing there. But as consistency goes since 1999, 20th is the lowest rank the Ravens have had defensively. And that was only twice. They've been first four times, as I say. That's ridiculous. I think it's a testament to... Because we spoke before about, you know, teams that you always consider to be good defensively. Pittsburgh Steelers. You always think of them as having a good defense. Even in years where, for statistically, they're not the best. You always think, oh, that's a good team. But the Ravens have taken this to a whole new level. They've not had a bad... You can argue 20th is bad. I get that. It's in the lower half of the league. Um, but t- twice in 25 years, that's pretty good. So that's my that's random stat number 301 right there. That's ridiculous. What are your thoughts? We have that? to remember that when you have a down year, Ravens, because I remember hearing complaints from Chiefs fans during their weaker spell this season, and you're like, mate, you, you don't know you're born. Think of a franchise like the Jaguars that have just been terrible year on year, and the good years are the exception to the rule you're having a bad patch in the season and you still won the Super Bowl, you're not going to get any sympathy from fans of an average franchise that, that's very true and it, it's easy to sort of get disillusioned isn't it, it's easy to, to think, um, oh, do you know what um, uh, you know, we're 10 and, 10 and 6, 11 and 6 this year, 10 and 7 this year it's not great, then blam through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl that nah, wasn't a great year was it you talking about like your your worst season since twenty seven is it twenty seventeen twenty eighteen when Mahomes became the starter your worst season and you win a Super Bowl I mean come on that's that's not bad that's not bad at all you don't know what you've got till it's gone you know you don't know you're in the good days because then Drew Brees retires and then you realise oh we're back to being the eights yeah listen you guys are gonna I'm sure the Saints are gonna turn it around. Sure they are. It, it just... Uh, Very wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong because they've got a lot of good pieces. Although I did see that there's talk about Alvin Kamara being a huge cap hit. And yep, and Taysom Hill. And uh, Taysom, Taysom, Taysom Hill is like the third highest paid tight end in the league behind Mark Andrews and George Kittle. As he should be. Travis Kelsey <laughs> makes less money than him. As he should do. Uh, he doesn't need money. Well, he doesn't need money. That's true. He doesn't need any, especially now going out with Taylor. Need any money? Taysom Hill over his entire career has only earned like five thousand more than Juszczyk. You telling me Taysom Hill's not better than Juszczyk? No, everybody loves Juice, but he's a fullback. Well, he Taysom is Hill is a quarterback. He's a running back. He's a fullback. He's a tight end. He's a wide receiver. He's a punt returner. He's a kick returner. He probably can punt. Uh, he's a Mormon. 
He's more than minus seven <laughs> yards at least. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, but mm, I'd rather okay, have used well, it. I'd rather, well, put it this way. I'd rather have used it as a as fullback than, than Taysom Hill. Would you know? Well, yeah. It seems we've got a bit of time. Here's a, here's a story because I've, I've got, a, comp- I've got a, a little comparison between the two. Oh, we've got. Hang on, is this a random stat? Three or two? Patrick's like, what's going on here? Maybe. Hold on, hold maybe on, hold on. Maybe, maybe it's a story. Maybe it's a random stat. It's uh, just comparing two very good white guys in the NFL. Taysom um, Hill has more scrimmage yards. He has three thousand and twenty. He has more touchdowns. He scored forty. Oh. Now, use check. Use check. Has two thousand eight hundred seventy-one and uh, yards and twenty-two touchdowns. This is just this isn't including his, you know, the fact that Taysom Hill is actually a quarterback. This isn't including any of his quarterback stats. This is just rushing. And yeah, but a lot of his rushing stats are from the quarterback position. He, this man, this is you know. Hey, listen, disgraceful. he's the wildest of yeah. cats. Jake, Jake, listen, I love Taysom Hill. I, I, I do. I absolutely. I, I, I love Taysom Hill and and I you know I I cannot believe and it it kills me that Tim Tebow didn't have that type of career. Very similar type of player. And it just kills me that he didn't have that type of career. It wasn't utilized properly, discarded by teams, and you've seen what Taysom Hill does, and I love it. But as a fullback, I would take Kyle Easter. That's all I'm saying. As a fullback. Well, if if it let me get to the, the main point, oh, sorry, here, sorry, sorry, carry on, carry on. Is that he has more yards by about two hundred, has more touchdowns by eighteen in eighty three fewer games. One of them has gone to the Pro Bowl eight times. One of them has not. As I mentioned, that's not including um, Taysom Hill's passing numbers. He's got two thousand three hundred ninety eight and eleven more touchdowns. Uh, and as mentioned before, he, you know, you think Taysom Hill. One of the highest paid tight ends, apparently. You know, the cap's a myth, so that's just not true. Um, he's earned like five, uh, 5,000 more or 5 million more than, than Newscheck. I would much rather that production in 83 fewer games, the fact that he can actually throw a ball as well. You know, I, I love Juice, I love Newscheck, but. One of them's been to a Pro Bowl eight times. One of them hasn't. Yeah, know, but, yeah but my point is you can't compare yards and touchdowns because Juszczyk's a fullback. Well, everyone, what do you remember from Juszczyk in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, the incredible ca- yeah, inca- yeah, but you also... Know, you, know, you don't remember, oh, you remember that block on Chris Jones? Well, no, everyone goes, remember that, remember that toe-touch you know, catch on the sidelines? Well, well I know, but even. but the fact is he does do those blocks all the time. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it this way. And as I say, I'm not having to dig Taysom Hill. I love Taysom Hill. But if I'm Christian McCaffrey and I'm running the ball, do you know who I want blocking for me? It's not Taysom Hill. Can you imagine how scared linebackers would be if there's two white guys in the back zone? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, well, they've got to be trolling. Like, that can't be. What are we doing? And so what are you telling me? Are like you telling me the 49ers should sign Taysom Hill? Can you imagine? imagine? Well, and then they could have they could have four white guys. And they could do like a, that would, I don't know what formation. They have Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Taysom Hill, Juszczyk. Four white guys in the back. The linebacker's going to be looking at them like, this is a joke. George Kittle come in and they can have an extended T T formation. So instead of three behind the quarterbacks, four behind the quarterback. Who's getting the ball in that situation? That's ridiculous. Yeah, but somehow, somehow, Dennis Allen would still mess that up if he, if that was the Saints. You know, but like no offense. But I, the only other thing I would add: How can you have a cap hit of fifteen point eight million for Taysom Hill, 
and the Niners have a 14 million cap hit for Christian McCaffrey. That's because because Kenna, the cap is the myth. Because he's not been paid that. That's a cap hit. He's yeah, not been paid that. He'll yeah. restructure it. He's, he's not been paid it. But they've got the op- they've got the three options basically are it's either to extend it they would save seven million to restructure it, they would save six and a half million. Sorry, is it is this is it McCaffrey or Taysom Hill? Or Taysom Hill. For Taysom Hill. And if they and if they traded or cut him uh, post June first, uh, they would save ten million dollars. The but, only team that would trade for him is the Denver Broncos. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Know. I, I, I would not have an issue with Taysom Hill being on the Broncos because you know what we're really lacking is some dead pass catching tight end. Fullback. We don't have one. No, we've got, we've got a fullback. We don't have a he's pass catching tight end. I know he's not been great. Yeah, tell me about it. He's not <laughs> That's why we let you have him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've got your kicker as well, so. And a coach, and our other coach, coach, and our offensive coordinator. And, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Taysom Hill at Denver. I would. I think he would be fantastic. I think he'd, Sean Payton would be like, yep, uh, now I know what I'm doing. W- would you Would you swap Jay Judy for Thomas? For Mike? Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you okay. joking? I would swap Jerry Judy $100 million for Michael Thomas. Oh. <laughs> 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 not getting Michael Thomas of five years ago. You're getting Michael Thomas now, you realise. Michael yeah. Thomas is still better than Jerry Judy, I'm convinced of that. After doing fantasy, even though he hasn't played in two years. Mm. Hey, those four games are going to be some great four games. They are indeed. Yeah, God love him. It's just, uh, you can only hang on to past glory for so long, and I don't know how some players get discarded after 10 minutes, and Michael Thomas is still like up there in the upper echelons, despite barely being seen for two years. So carrying on with episode 100 of the WinFL show, never thought we'd get here. We have a returning guest, a friend of the show, author of the American Football Revolution, how Britain fell in love with the NFL, Mr. Ben Isaacs. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing fantastically well. Really touched that you invited me to come on such a special episode. Um, Loved talking with you guys last year. Um, And... It's a privilege to be asked back. It's a privilege to have you here. I'm just glad you said yes. We thought we might have scared you off after last time. Um, but listen, <laughs> let, let's get right down to brass tacks. The book. The book is fantastic. Um, how's the sales going? Is it going good? Is it going well? Better than you expected? I'd love to know. Have I would they, love to know. Have they not told you? Uh, no one tells me anything, Ian. <laughs> so um, the way that it tends to work is that... Um, They'll tell you when there's something to tell you, and um, I may be getting some money soon, um, but I don't know. I wasn't expecting any money until October, mm-hmm. at which point the book will have been out for longer than a year. It's They do the payments once a year, and if your book's not been on sale for long enough, you don't get caught in that, in that year's oh. system. Which is fine because it's not like I'm not reliant on this, on this money, to you know pay the bills. Everything I earn from this feels like a bit of a bonus. You know, the work was done on this book so long ago. You know, I I submitted this book to the publisher, completed, needed some edits, but the first draft was sent to them. You know, over a year ago. So anything that comes now, it's like, ooh, well done. 
previous Ben. You've got this money for current day Ben. So I, I did have an email from the publisher today um, where I had to fill in a form to make sure they've got up-to-date bank details. So I'm guessing kind of end of the financial year sort of thing that they're going to sort out. Um, but I have no idea on sales. Um, it's got a lot of um, reviews on Amazon, which is a good barometer. You know, th- most of those are verified verified sales. It's not to say the others aren't, but it might be people who've bought elsewhere mm-hmm. are reviewing on Amazon because Amazon reviews for any book, especially if it's a, if it's a niche book like this or an independent publisher like Pitch Publishing, even though they're like the biggest sports book publisher in the country, it's an independent publisher. Those reviews on Amazon are huge for visibility because it means when people are searching for other books on American football, it's then suggesting my book mm-hmm. as well. And it'll come up saying, you know, five stars with 50 odd reviews. That's a, that's a big deal. That for someone who doesn't know who I am, doesn't know about the book, it's them seeing it on Amazon, seeing all the positive verified reviews, seeing that sort of score, the wonderful reviews that people have written, that, that can lead to sales. So I just, I don't know. All I, all I, am, I am thrilled with the reception that the book has got. People who've read it love it. I've had so much great feedback. You're really touched by that. Any money I make from it is a bonus. I mean, I will make some money, obviously, but the money I make is a bonus. It's not going to be a huge amount of money. This isn't a book that's going to sell millions of copies, but I would much rather have it that I make whatever I make and people love it than it was a massive hit. But all the real NFL fans in the UK are like, I don't feel you represented us properly. You had the chance to tell our story and you failed. And now no one else is going to get the chance to do that. So it was a lot of responsibility. And I didn't really feel that responsibility until the book was about to come out, really, that I thought no one's written a book about our fan community before. And if people don't like this one, there probably won't be another one. And... I'm telling I'm telling everyone's story one way or another we're all we're all in that book one way or another so I felt like at that point a lot on my shoulders and I thought I really hope that people like it and thankfully people the people I've spoken to whose opinions I I respect they like it and that's that's this will sound trite but that's that's worth more than the money because the money's not going to, you know, the money's not going to buy me a mansion or anything. So yeah, we're that's... not we're not talking Dan Brown money here or something like that. I mean, <laughs> no, you know, no. Dan, Dan Brown's a not a very well respected writer because his writing, let's be honest, is a bit shoddy. But the hundreds of millions of dollars he has because of it, <laughs> I, I get it, I get it. But I get where you're coming from, yeah, Ben. Yeah, it's it's a the sincerity thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what though? If it was the choice of hundreds of millions but people didn't really like the book i'd probably then take the hundreds of millions so you should have put a, a murder was... in it put a murder in and then mike carlson has to go out solving clues with nat coombs and mick lockhurst and see this well could... and then that's a romp you know at the end <laughs> <laughs> right so my my wife she's the editorial director of a magazine and it's stressful and busy and she used to read a lot of news in bed before going to sleep which is just the worst thing don't do it like you shouldn't do that right 
there's too much bad stuff in the world. So she started to read and she'll she'll classify them as this basically kind of trashy romance. Right? There's like modern modern romance, I think is the specific phrase for it. So we're not talking like the Mills and Boone, the Barbara Cartland, the modern romance. And some of it, I'll tell you what, it can be a little bit zesty. Oh, I'd say a bit blue, but <laughs> not all the way to the, spicy, just zesty. No, <laughs> just zesty, just zesty. But um, she would go through go through a lot of these. Found them very relaxing. They're mindless. Helps her get off to sleep, right? And there's so many different kind of themes, and she went down this rabbit hole of American football themed ones. So it's always like some fictional American football team and it'll be, you know, it'll be like the, the star quarterback and he's misunderstood and he's a womanizer. But somehow he meets this woman and, you know, she's able to she's able to change him. And I thought I could write one of these. Bats. <laughs> I reckon I reckon I could. My problem would be having to read one of the existing ones to like kind of know the format, and and I thought I couldn't get through one. Well, so uh, I would I I wouldn't be able to do it. But how that maybe that's maybe that's like the road to riches. Do that and like do a murder mystery one, and I actually make it an American football themed murder mystery zesty romance. That could I'll totally do it under work. a pseudonym. You should. Now, I, I should point out, I don't know if any of you have ever read this book, there is a book that exists called Playing for Pizza by John Grissom. And it's about a former quarterback. I'm not making this up. Former quarterback who played for the Denver Broncos, right? Uh, or, 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 no, did he play for the Browns? He played for the Cleveland Browns and they lost to the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship. So it's basically Bernie Cosa. Bernie Cosa. And he gets shipped off to Italy to play with the, and I'm going to say, I'm going to get it wrong, the Parma Panthers, I think it was. He thinks he's going to Carolina, ends up flying to Italy. Um, and, <laughs> and, and the game is about an American football quarterback. Sorry, the, the book's about an American football quarterback playing in Italy. And so, um, so, if John Grissom can do it. This is what I expect from John Grissom. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to Nat earlier, um, and we were talking after we'd finished after we finished the show, where he had this panic that the show had got corrupted. The file had got corrupted, and I'm very pleased with the episode that we recorded today. Um, we did basically no prep for it, and it was all off the cuff, and it was a lot of fun. And I think it kind of comes across. And he managed to he managed to salvage this he managed to kind of get away to uncorrupt it or whatever he did and i said like he's he's becoming like a like a hacker it's not the first time that he's done this and that he said and i'm quoting i'm i don't know I, this is perhaps not the done thing but i'm, I'm going to quote from the whatsapp conversation i had with him where he said i'm genuinely quite impressed by my hacking chops right and it got me thinking i said i would watch a prestige drama about a polished and popular NFL broadcaster who is also secretly a high-level hacker or a shadowy government agency. Is he in too deep? Who knows? Now, maybe not a TV show. Maybe it's going to be a book. But he said he wants the guy who played Jason Street in the Friday Night Lights TV show playing him. And I said, okay, maybe, but he's going to have like a terrible London accent. 
And what I want is an end of season cliffhanger. Maybe if it's in a book, this is halfway through the book. North Koreans, they snatch him. <laughs> he's on the street. He's walking somewhere. North Koreans bundle him into the back of a grubby transit van. But there's a twist. They want him to make an NFL podcast for the North Korean market. They don't even know that he's a hacker working for the government. Now, tell me you wouldn't A, read that book, or B, watch that TV show. And also, if you're wondering, the guy who played Jason Street, I don't remember his name, but if you've played Madden 18 or Madden 19, he's a character in it, I guess in like a story mode, and he plays a guy called Colt Cruz, which definitely sounds like the, the character name from one of these zesty romance now, I, I don't really remember Friday Night Lights, but was that the long blonde hair guy? No, was no. that the guy who was in a wheelchair? Spoiler! Spoiler! Wow! <laughs> he was a star quarterback, wow. how could you? A star quarterback who the, gets put in a wheelchair. Now, the thing uh, is, right, Thanks, I was, <laughs> I watched this from episode one, and I don't know if I was, like, a, this is a long time ago, I don't know if I was like just downloading it from America or whether it had a broadcaster over here. This is in about 06. It, it was it broadcast. I watched it. I watched it on Sky, one of the Sky but, channels. But it's whether it was on at this point, because I was, I was working on the News of the World's TV magazine at the time. And we would get in all these things like Entertainment Weekly. And they'd been talking about Friday Night Lights for ages. And they had ads in there and all these publicity pictures. And front and center is... Jason Street there as the star quarterback, like holding the ball and everyone behind him. So, and I'm not, I'm joke, you know, all joking aside now, this isn't a spoiler. This is a TV show that was on in 06 <laughs> and it happens in the first episode. But they set it up as like Jason Street is the star of this team. He's the biggest character in this. And in the first episode, he gets hit and he gets put in a wheelchair and he can never play again and he can never walk again. And that's that, that. If because we didn't have social media like we do now, it's not like right now Twitter would have been ablaze with that. It'd be difficult for anyone watching it the next day to not see that spoiler mm -hmm. because you're not expecting something to blindside you like that. No pun intended. So <laughs> the uh, so there, we, I'm there watching watching this and it was shocking. It was like people's reaction to the first episode of uh, Game of Thrones. We think. I didn't expect to see this star get killed off. Yeah. Oh boy. Ben Isaacs, before you go, and we really cannot thank you enough for your time. Really appreciate you turning up. What is your random stat? This will be random stat number 302 on the WinFL wow. show. Go for it. Uh, this, this I only discovered days ago, and it blew my mind, and I had to check it in from multiple sources because it didn't sound true. There are obviously 32 current teams in the NFL. Only one of them has a perfect postseason record at home throughout its entire history. And I put this onto Twitter saying, like, who would it be? And obviously lots of people are going for new teams. Uh, which you'd expect, fact, yeah. It's the oldest. It's the Cardinals. A team that was created in the 1800s has obviously played in every NFL season. Only they and the Chicago Bears have played in every season since 1920. The Cardinals franchise is perfect at home in the postseason. Now, 
They're five and zero. They've had five home postseason games since 1920, and until they're in Arizona, they'd only had one. They had one um, NFL championship game at home when they were still the Chicago Cardinals that they won, and they have won four home games in the playoffs as the Arizona Cardinals. Nothing in St. Louis. They didn't have a home playoff game when they were in St. Louis. So they're a perfect 5-0. and Of all the franchises, I think if you'd said to me, which one would it be, and you've got to keep guessing until you get there, it probably would have been about 32nd. Yes. Yeah. It would yeah, have been wow. wonderful. What a great start. I'm just really looking forward to, to not being in a, a new rendition of Red Dawn, you know, the North Koreans parachuting <laughs> in. Yeah, watch yeah. this space. I'm executive producer on that already now. Fantastic. Um, and uh, listen, Ben, obviously your beers didn't do it this year, but hey, there's always 2024. What are you looking for in the draft? Quickly. There, though? What do you want to draft? Um... Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's the best player in the draft. Yeah, we we all said it. That's what you should do. Just trade down to third and take Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, there you go. That's the dream. We just fixed the Chicago Bears so offseason. Okay. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you. Huge thanks. Ben Isaacs, author of The American Football Revolution, How Britain Fell in Love with the NFL Game. Uh, thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again, Ben, at some point in the future. Uh, I think Nat has committed to episode 200 in two years' time. So uh, we'll see about that. But hopefully we'll get you on before that. Thank you very much. I'll come on before that. I'll come on before that. Right. Wonderful. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your show. And we'll speak soon. Thank you. Ben Isaacs. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. It's episode 100. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Dave Somerville, Jake McGee, and Patrick Jackson. And... All the way from Sacramento, California. Member of That's Good Sports on YouTube, Will Keys. Will, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I didn't know it was your 100th episode, but congratulations. Uh, yeah, it's. It, we, we were seeing earlier, we had a couple of other guests on from the UK, and uh, we didn't think we'd make a past three. We honestly didn't think we'd get a past <laughs> three episodes. And here we are, two years later, 100 episodes uh, with, uh, in in my opinion, and I know folk are going to call me a brown noser here, but in my opinion, <laughs> one of the main guys on, on YouTube, uh, That's Good Sports, I've been a subscriber of That's Good Sports for about four years now, five years now, I think it is, with yourself and Brandon, of course, That's Good Broncos. Uh, I'm a Broncos yeah. fan, so uh, I think it was probably the first NFL channel i subs nfl based channel i subscribe to after the actual nfl channel itself um but and the tell only one it should be the only one uh, well <laughs> well it's ones out there it's 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 your fault that i'm subscribed to any others because um i you know i heard brandon perna talking about guys like tom grossi and yeah. scooter magruder and five points and I started watching these ones as well. So you can sort of blame Brandon that I watch any other no, they're, YouTube channels. They're all great. They do such a good job at, I think, collaborating with one another. And whether that's kind of uh, doing little cameos in each other's videos or they do click clickbait sports or anything. But I kid because, you know, if you support, you know, one of us, you're kind of supporting all of us. And uh, the goal is really just to make – 
YouTube. It's already a very viable platform for, for people who cover the NFL. But, you know, for people to kind of put it up there with TV and traditional media, I think is the goal and what we're working towards and, and definitely making some pro, uh, some progress too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, oh, I should also point out, Will sucks at games. I'm not saying that. Yeah. The channel, <laughs> Will Sucks at Games, YouTube channel, it's it's brilliant. Dude. Backyard football. is The videos are absolute gold. I love Thank it so you. much. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite, I think, backyard football. Backyard football or backyard baseball. I don't know what about those games, uh, but the, the unintentional comedy and um, really the, the cinematic presentation uh, of those games from the early 2000s, unmatched. <laughs> they're great games sort i've i've you know hand on hand, i've never actually played backyard football i've only watched your videos on it and i think i need to get a hold of this game uh, and play backyard oh football. yeah oh it yeah check it out there are definitely so some some back channels that i don't think i can say publicly but um <laughs> do a little research you can find them for sure i'm sure we will now um obviously you're a broncos fan hence the cap yeah and uh we didn't have a great i'm saying we uh, we didn't have a great year this year. It wasn't as good as it could have been. Missed out in the playoffs, obviously. Um, I just want to get your quick views on last year's performance by the Broncos. And what are you expecting 2024? Primarily, of course, at the quarterback position. We're hearing a lot of rumors. Russell Wilson's house might be up for sale. Um, <laughs> a lot of things going on. What's, what's your take on it and what are you expecting? First of all, like it, it's got to be tough to to sell a house with twelve bathrooms. It's such a gratuitous you know number, really, when you think about it. All these athletes they buy these you know extravagant homes, and then you know they're not set up to stay usually in the same place for for that long. So the resale value's got to be you know you might you might have a bargain on your hands. Maybe that's the new that's good sports headquarters. If we can pull together some money, maybe convert a few of those bathrooms into to separate offices. Um, but I digress. I, I think last year, obviously one of the great roller coaster seasons of all time. Uh, you know, you start with a loss to the Raiders, they blow a huge lead to the Commanders, and then the you know the seventy point game is maybe like the not in terms of like heartbreak, but in terms of just feeling pathetic, probably the lowest I've felt since I started watching the team Uh, in terms of like, I don't care. Like after 60 points, it's like might as well score a hundred. And then the fact that they're able to rebound from that, I, I think was really impressive. Vance Joseph obviously saved his job and they pulled out these, you know, I hesitate to say fluky because I don't, I don't believe really in flukes. But um, these really improbable victories with the turnover ratio and then Russell Wilson playing so well late in games is kind of like a is kind of like a Tebow run, and then we fall back to earth obviously at the end of the season. Um, but you know you miss the playoffs. You still it would have been nice to win that last game, hmm. of course. Um, but then you can you know you can argue about the draft position and everything, and obviously they need a quarterback, uh, so that's important. Uh, but it's an improvement. First and foremost, it's an improvement. We forget how just incompetent that team was from 2022. Um, 
Yeah. And it was just it's just good to to be relevant for at least a few weeks was nice. I think going forward, 2024 is tricky because I think with the Russell Wilson thing, if you are getting rid of him and it does, you know, every, you know, sign points in that direction, you either have to take uh, a $40 million cap hit next year or just like swallow the whole pill and take 80 million, which really, really, you know, constrains your ability to build a competitive roster. Uh, but there's an argument for either. If they do, I think you kind of have to tread water for 2024. And maybe they overperform, and that looks like nine wins. Uh, but I'm really setting my sights on 2025 because hopefully you'll have a rookie quarterback going into his second year then. You'll have some building blocks, and I think that's when you kind of make your move and start to compete seriously. And uh, talk of rookie quarterbacks, obviously we've got the draft coming up. Anyone in particular yeah. you've got your eyes set on? Or do you think it was anyone that you would obviously, you know, in an ideal world, we trade up to number one? Yeah. That's not happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. So, who, who, do you, who do you think is most likely target for the Broncos? They, they may still try and trade up even just a few spots to grab someone. Yeah, it's 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 certainly possible. I, I think with Sean Payton, he's kind of a he's a gunslinger of a head coach. If that you know, if that's possible, he's he's a gambling man. Uh, this that's funny. That's a good thing that you asked that because I just finished working on a script for a video where we break down the flaw of all the top six quarterbacks in the draft. So I've just been looking at what's wrong with all of these guys and. There's something tangibly wrong with all of them, of course. There's something, you know, there's usually a drawback for every quarterback, say for like the one I, I, I think who was close to perfect was Andrew Luck. There's no Andrew Luck. Um, Caleb Williams obviously has the highest ceiling. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'll give you an idealistic one and then a realistic one. I think if I were going to trade up, I think the sweet spot is probably Drake May. I li- I've always, you know, I've liked him. I think the one thing I really like about him is that he was not in an ideal situation last year at North Carolina. Two of his receivers uh, from 2022 got drafted. His top receiver was ineligible for the first four games of the year. And they kind of, you know, they had a tough end of the season, but um, I like his toughness. He's got, like, he doesn't look like it, but he's a really big guy. He's like Josh Allen sized. Um, I don't think he's going to run anybody over, but you kind of have to like that in terms of durability for a team that struggled with durability for such a long time. And then the realistic one, I think, is not going to come as much of a surprise to anybody who's been paying attention recently, but J.J. McCarthy Hmm. from Michigan. And the, the thing about McCarthy is obviously super successful. I think he won like three championships in high school. Obviously won the national championship last year with Michigan. The only thing you can really point at and like poke serious holes in is the fact of like it was really easy for him at Michigan. Like his his job was mostly to hand off to a couple of really good running backs behind uh, an incredible offensive line. But that's not like a that's not a serious criticism, of course. But you have to project um He's not gonna. You're not gonna have games where you're. You can win throwing the ball twelve times a game in the NFL. 
so you really have to take what you see and then try to extrapolate and then try to picture him in tougher situations than he had. Because not only was the team great, obviously, they went 15-0, and but they, they weren't playing serious Big Ten teams for most of the season. Um, so there's that mystery, and I think the, the thing that happens in the offseason always with the draft quarterbacks is there's one guy who teams start talking themselves into who always rises up the draft board. And sometimes that's dangerous. Sometimes it works out really well. Like Patrick Mahomes was that guy in 2017 who mm. was kind of off the radar. And without playing any games, people watch him and go, it's pretty good. Like, I know, he's, you know his footwork makes no sense. Uh, mechanically, he's kind of a nightmare, <laughs> but he's the most talented, pure passer I've ever seen. McCarthy's obviously not at that level, but you can talk yourself into kind of the efficiency and the mystery and, of course, you know, the success and the age, which is important because he's only 21. And we're talking about guys like... Yeah, Penix uh, and... Onyx. Um, yeah, yeah. Penix, Rattler, who are all, like, basically in their mid-20s. Um, so I think guys are going to uh, fall in love with the idea that they can get a young guy and, and develop him. And hopefully, if, you know, if Denver does that, they don't have to start him right away. Yeah. You know, whoever that bridge quarterback that is, whether it's Stidham or, you know, Jake Browning or, you know, it's not going to be Jimmy Garoppolo anymore, you know, thank God. But um, I'll find someone and, and hopefully give him a little time to catch up if that's, you know, who they go with, which is kind of what it feels like right now. It does indeed. Well, I was actually going to ask you more about Sean Payton, what your kind of evaluation of him, uh, yeah. his first year. Uh, you know, you know, it was a kind of mediocre year by kind of Sean Payton standards. But mm-hmm. what do you think will happen if he has an identical year uh, in year two? Because obviously he's got such a massive reputation from his time at the Saints. But do you, uh, if he has another kind of either a losing year or maybe a kind of you know a, a, a an underwhelming year, I think would be a good way. Do you think that raises questions? Because I, I've posed the question to Ian before, and he's like ab- absolutely adamant, zero chance of anything happening to him uh, if he has a bad year, and even a year or two. But I think you've got to ask those questions. So if he does have a bad year, what do you think the outcome will be? Yeah, I, th- I think definitely if you have a mediocre or they regress next year, you can start asking questions. As far as the outcome, I don't think they do anything with him until – he gets three full years. Mm. Uh, I think where that kind of you know branches off is if they don't take a big swing on a quarterback, uh, whether it's you know any avenue, trade, free agency, draft, um, then you kind of get the idea that they, like I said, they're treading water for twenty twenty four and and trying to get out of this just abysmal cap situation that, that they put themselves in and not Sean Payton too. You know, he, he wasn't the guy who traded for Russell Wilson or extended him either. So, I mean, that, that's important. If they may, if they take a big swing, like, I don't know, there's always a way to do it, but like, say they got Kirk cousins mm-hmm. and that's kind of, that's a win now quarterback. Obviously if they manage to get him and go you know, eight and nine again, that raises some serious questions because at that point, Sean Payton's handpicked his quarterback. You know, he's he's shown that he's trying to go all in on at least making the playoffs 
And if, if he fails to do so, then you have to start raising serious questions about like, all right, does Sean Payton still have his fastball? Like, is Sean Payton kind of a you know a Drew Brees merchant to use the Twitter lexicon? Mm-hmm. And those are you know those are serious questions. But at the same point, like Sean Payton's handpicked one long-term quarterback in his career as a head coach, and that was that was Drew Brees, uh, and that worked out pretty well. So I I think he gets one more real swing at quarterback, and the the question is like, what's he gonna do? Uh, how's he going to do it? And if you get a guy who's, who's like developmental, like JJ McCarthy, that obviously buys you time, uh-huh. I think. But I, I don't think I don't think there's any way he gets fired. Hopefully, you know, <laughs> I'm not like counting down on this happening. But I, I don't think there's any way you can move off of him until three years have passed. Especially because you know they traded a first and a second round pick to get to, to get him away from <laughs> yeah. New Orleans, who had the rights. Sean Payton after he retired uh so that's important obviously you want to see that investment through uh and I know you know we're we're the Walmart team but we gave him a lot of money too and you don't want to be for a team that fires head coaches a lot you don't want to be on the hook for multiple guys at once yeah Um, so yeah I don't think I don't think he goes anywhere uh, until the end of 2025 and hopefully not (laughs) hopefully he's there for a while yeah, I mean, I I sorry. Yeah, I was just I was just going to add as well. I mean, it it seems to be with Sean Payton as well. Some you know there seems to be a bit of a love hate thing going on with a lot of the fans within the fan base. But the only other thing I was going to ask you was a straight up love or hate Jerry Judy. Would you see? Would you love to see the yeah. back of Jerry Judy tomorrow? Oh, I've gone through such a yeah such a a, a gamut with Jerry Judy because. I loved him so much at Alabama mm-hmm. and I thought he was like the next Jerry, Jerry Rice basically. <laughs> and he kind of looked like it, uh, you know, especially when two was throwing him the ball, just like such this dynamic guy and so fun to watch in space. And, you know, I can, I can go back and literally find it. But like I, when we were watching that 2020 draft, I was like, Judy's the guy that we got to get. Uh, and so I was, you know, I was over the moon when we got him. And in hindsight, maybe not great. We passed up on a couple guys named Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb. Uh, could be worse, too. You could have, you know, Jalen Rager or, you know, God forbid, the guy from Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. does not play football anymore. So, you know, things could always be worse. But. I think part of that still kind of exists in me where I'm like, he could be in the NFL for eight years and I'd still be waiting for that breakout 1500 yard season. But he's, he's just kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, and it's hard to be a pain in the ass when you're not also putting up numbers. The, the wide receiver position is littered with the history of guys who are tough to deal with, but still just make plays every game. And he can, like you see these flashes where you know he scores three touchdowns against the Chiefs, or he scores this ninety-two yard touchdown against the Raiders. Bizarrely, they always come at the end of the season when it's, we're out it's of it. When it you know, doesn't really matter, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like he's incredible when it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Someone absolutely. Needs to just tell them that we're eliminated from the playoffs in week one and see what happens. <laughs> 
it, it's so true. We, we were talking before uh, about Jenny Judy, and I was like, listen, if it came down to saying, because there's rumours, Sean Payton, about trading a top receiver, if it's Cortland Sutton, I'm dying. Yeah. I am dying if they trade Sutton. If they trade Judy, I'm like, ah, fine. But you and I both know, well. if he goes somewhere like Kansas City, He's putting up 1,800 oh, yeah. yards, 20 oh, touchdowns. Yeah. And we're sitting there going, ah, what happens? It's always the same. Always the same. And it kills me inside. Uh, Jake, you're a, you're a Saints man. So you know a little bit about Sean Payton. Uh, Dave was talking about Sean Payton there. Uh, I'm in complete agreement as well. He's not going anywhere. You know, if, if they don't have a winning right. season, the the the... Walmart group are like, listen, if we put hundreds of millions into this guy and the team's already got a rep for a terrible trade with Russell Wilson, we're not going to make this a terrible trade for Sean Payton by ditching him after two years. What's your opinion, Jake? Or what, what, did you have anything else you wanted to, to ask Will? Well, yeah, on, on the Sean Payton thing, you don't go into that, you know, you don't trade for him and then after one year say, okay, this isn't working out. This is never a one-year project. No one expected the Broncos to kind of be too much this year. Obviously, everyone had hoped to see an increase in, in Russell Wilson's play and seeing if he can find that, you know, Drew Brees magic because the, the, they were the same kind of size, so therefore they are the same kind of quarterback. But, um, well, Wilson, I think JJ McCarthy, he's one of these players that over the next week, well, weeks and months, he's really going to climb. I think I, from what I've seen is people inside the NFL rate him a lot more than like fans who are like, oh, well, all he does is hand off. I think. Originally, you know, you could do a mock draft and you could say he could be there for the Saints, he could be there for the Broncos. In a couple of weeks, you might actually end up having to move for JJ McCarthy, which is scary. Because yeah. you just, you never know with the NFL and the draft in terms of the movement. And obviously, it's always going to be quarterbacks and one and two is likely a quarterback. So then teams, teams will panic and there will be someone like the Falcons who will panic. So I look forward to that. That'll keep me going. Um, but then what I want to talk about or, or get your opinion on is doesn't look like that the Broncos are going to use the franchise tag. They've not used it since Simmons, and there's not really anyone this year, unless you want to extend one of the, the several Saints you used to have. So what do you think What do you think the kind of attack in free agency is? Because obviously we've got the franchise tag period now until kind of the 5th of March, and then it, free agency kind of starts up. And do you expect the Broncos to be quiet, or do you think they'll be aggressive towards a certain position? I think they're going to be really quiet. I know that's not a very exciting or, or popular answer, but they kind of, you know, they kind of blew their load last year. Like they had, they had signings very early in free agency, uh, like within minutes. I, I think McGlinchey and Powers were, were both locked up. Uh, and, you know, time will tell. I think we give those guys another year. You know, Powers was better than McGlinchey. Uh, but free agency is one of those things where you really have to pick your spots. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I think in free agency, you get the most value on those kind of middle ground contracts. Teams who are winning consistently don't spend big on day one. They kind of fill out their roster with the like two-year, $10 million type of deals. And like, you can go back to 2015. And 2014, the year before that, obviously they get Tlaib and Ward and Ware and Sanders. That's great. But the year they won the Super Bowl, they were really quiet in free agency. 
there are two big signings. Uh, they had like three that I can remember. One was a center, Gino Gradkowski, who I don't think he touched the ball in Denver. Uh, the other was Owen Daniels, mm-hmm. who was like twilight of his career kind of guy on the way out, ends up scoring two touchdowns in the AFC Championship game. And then you get Darian Stewart, who everybody was like, who? Who is this guy? He's like the final touch on that 2015 all-time defense. Picks off Brady in the title game. uh, Forces a fumble in the Super Bowl. Just this incredible player that they pulled out of obscurity and and popped him into a defense where, uh, you know, he was free to roam around and, and make some plays. But... Yeah, I think I think they'll be quiet. I don't think that's a bad thing, um, but they do have some, you know, they have some holes to figure out. Like I would love to see them add some depth at cornerback because everybody knows like it's Patrick Sertan and essentially nobody is this revolving door between uh, Fabian Moreau and and Damari Mathis, who we thought was going to be good. And you know, you get some help at nickel with Jaquan McMillan, who turned out to be a revelation. Mm. Uh, but you, you still like really have to figure out what's going on there. Riley Moss, who knows? <laughs> um, we'll we'll see in that one. But they've got so many holes. Like I want to see them just kind of build some depth. I don't think they're going to be hunting for stars. I know I mentioned Kirk Cousins. I don't think that's actually going to happen. Um, they just got to use free agency to plug holes. In the draft, ideally, you're going for best player available. Um, now that, you know. Whether the best player available as a quarterback is, you know, yet to be seen. But um, that's generally how I think they will do things, and how I hope they will do things. Well, the, two be- the two best, the two best looking quarterbacks are available now, and you've got uh, Magic Mitch, you know, <laughs> MVP is available, <laughs> and then you've got uh, Jimmy G is looking like he's available. So. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny though if, like, you told people before the off season started, like, going into next season, you will have a quarterback who went to UNC, war number ten, and like, oh, sweet, we're getting Drake May. No, 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 Mitch Trubisky. I, I still, I still like Mitch. I still like Mitch. Mitch gets a oh. bad rap. He does. He does not his fault when he was drafted. Anyway, um, I, I'm. I'm Talking about depths, well, the, the one that got me, and I keep harking back to the Russell Wilson trade, was the tight end because we got rid of Noah Fant, but that was okay yeah. because we had Alberto. But then we get rid of Alberto, and you're like, well, now we've only got one pass catching tight end, and he's injured all year, and we had nothing from the tight end position. It just you're not a you're not an Adam Troutman fan. <sighs> No, I'm no, not. Jake is Lucas Scroll fan. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they were um, probably the least dynamic group of tight ends. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's not it's not that I don't I don't think Scroll's a bad player. I don't think Trevor's a bad player. Of course not. No, but if you'd offered me Alberto at the beginning of the season as a pass catching tight end, I would have taken him any day of the week. And it's just it would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you needed someone with yeah. speed on that team. And obviously that was supposed to be Greg Dulcich. Uh, turns out, you know, his hamstrings are made of paper mache Yeah, uh, at best. 
so you know we'll give it we'll give it another look with Dulcich. But at this point, like you just can't hang your hat on him being healthy for more than you know six games a season. When he's healthy, yeah, he's good. Uh, he he's looks really, great. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, the interesting piece there, I think, is maybe you're going there with this, but uh, if they don't like any of the quarterbacks or they go another avenue to get a quarterback or they keep the quarterback. And you have to start looking at Brock Bowers from Georgia at 12. Who I know <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that picture of him next to Rob Gronkowski in Las Vegas. Uh but that that might have dropped him down a few slots right <laughs> right in the uh right in the Broncos wheelhouse. I've always really liked that guy. He's a just a monster uh after the catch. And I know he's he's kind of undersized, but like so is George Kittle. You don't have to be helps to be huge as a tight end. It's not the end all be all though. Uh, it's uh, it can honestly be good for leverage blocking, um, but you know, you know you have to think about whether or not tight end is a is the most dire need or the the position of value there at twelve when you have so many other holes to plug. But it would be pretty fun too. It would be, but I think the Broncos are in that sort of unique position where that is the one position on the offense. You're like, we need someone out there to make yeah. those, you know, it's third and three. You need a reliable pair of hands. You can't always throw to Sutton, although Russell Wilson did on every third and fourth yeah, turn. Tried. He tried his best and it worked well. Sutton and Pirine. Oh, yeah. and Pirine. Oh, my word. What have we got there? There it is. Yeah. Is that. That's Brock Bowers on the left. Oh, my I knew I knew I'd seen it. Yeah, there's about three, four inches in height there, minimum, and he's but, kind of Gronk's like two of them. Well, how how, how, yeah. tall, how tall is Gronk? Does anyone know how big he is? Five. Yeah, he's about same as six, six, five, he's six, like six, six. Because yeah. I, Shannon Sharp was what six two. Yeah, oh, good big guy. I'm just saying. Yeah, you can give up to the right. inches. You know, it, you don't all. They don't all need to be Tony Gonzalez. Huge, huge tight ends. It's great to oh, have. Oh yeah, see you don't that. play basketball in college anymore. Yeah, although that was funny. When every tight end in the NFL, their fun fact was that they did play basketball in college. Uh, yeah, I I actually wasn't aware that Julius Thomas played basketball in college. Um, yeah. They never mentioned it ever. Yeah. Jimmy, Graham. He was playing. Jimmy Graham didn't like to remind people. You know, he didn't like to yeah. remind people. Uh, Antonio Gates. Did he play basketball in college? <laughs> it's every he scored. It is crazy that Gates didn't make it in the Hall of Fame uh, year one. Uh, I mean, I love Devin Hester, but picking him over Antonio Gates is just yeah. And I, I think Hester should have made it. I don't know if you know. There's the there's obviously no precedent for the kick returners, but mm. just in terms of impact and and being the by far the best player at your specialty, I think should get you in. But Gates, like, Gates almost has a Hall of Fame career against the Broncos alone. Yeah. He devoured us every, every, every game. single game. Just this little flag route, uh, and we for 12 years we had no idea how to stop it. No. he was uh, Antonio Gates was something else. And he, he deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. And, and, and yeah. I, I love Devin Hester, and I said he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I thought he was maybe the weakest of the selections that went in. If, and yeah, I thought Antonio I Gates. To, I, I can't. I right. We, well, we finally got one that's been 
kind of on the table for a long time. Gradisha. He should have been in a long time ago. Would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer if you know he was playing in Dallas or Pittsburgh uh, uh, instead of Denver yeah. and Randy Gradishar. Best linebacker in the league at his time. At a, at a time when Jack Lambert was playing. I mean, come on. Yeah. What can you see? Oh, yeah. 200 tackles yeah. a season. Fine, uh, it's good that, you know, we for a long time, John Elway was our only Hall of Famer. Yeah. And, and now it started to, started to catch up, I think. Yeah. We've still got a few guys who should be in. And who, like, will never get mentioned. Never, ever. Who do, you, who do you think? Well, because I'm totally biased. Of course. Yeah. Carl Mecklenburg should be in the Hall of Fame. He was he's got, he's got a case. monster on that defense. And he was one of the scariest dudes in the entire NFL for, you know, 15 years or however long he played. Carl Mecklenburg was just incredible. And I, I get people say the raw numbers don't match up to Hall of Fame guys. But, you know, there's guys in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, seriously? He's in the Hall of Fame. It's like, and yeah. I've I brought this up on this podcast a lot, but the fact that Mike Shanahan isn't in the Hall of Fame just absolutely sticks in my craw something terrible. Perfect. And I have no issues with, uh, sorry, Dave, no issues with Dick Vermeil being in the Hall. I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with that, but he shouldn't be in before Mike Shanahan. And that's a problem. And Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame <laughs> for being rich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. <laughs> no, the the Shanahan thing is crazy. Yeah, uh, not, and not just because of the two Super Bowls. They talk about like the whole criteria, and this is hard to you know, quantify. But like, can you tell the story of the NFL without mentioning this mentioning this name? You can't tell the story of Shanahan's post head coaching career without mentioning the name Shanahan because mm-hmm. the offense is a blueprint for everybody. It's like you just, it's, it blows my mind. Like the guys at head coach who are, who are in there now, you know, I, and I like Dick Vermeule. I think he's a great coach. Like just get both of them in. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Uh, 90% of the league is either from the Parcells tree or the Shanahan tree. Yeah. I mean, 90%, at least, of all coaches and coordinators have either come from Bill Parcells uh, via, you know, Bill Belichick line and all that, or um, from Shanahan. It, it just, oh, it annoys me. I'm getting all heads <laughs> up again. I shouldn't be, but it annoys me so much. Uh, Patrick, you've been very quiet up until now, so that's probably my fault for talking too much. Uh, anything you wanted to, wanted to say or ask Will? Just uh, sitting back and enjoying as much as anything. Um, it would be remiss of me as a Jags fan in disguise not to say justice for Freddie T since we're on the subject of uh, the Hall of Fame. But for Will, I wanted to ask, like, do you write for five points? You write, well, with maybe is a better way of putting it. Write with Brandon, you do your own stuff. Mm. And there's the whole clickbait group that we touched on, justice for urinating tree didn't get a mention, but everyone else did. How do you balance your time on all of those different projects and how do you avoid like treading on one another's toes with the video ideas because it's kind of similar streams with different slants on it between the different groups yeah so i would would say with brandon it's more of a collaborative process whereas you know five points it's just like all right here's an idea 
do the script, send the script. Like that's it, which is great too. Cause like, I can just kind of, you know, there's pros and cons to each one. That one I can just kind of lock myself in my office and, and work on it by myself with Brandon. It's, we're both coming up with ideas, uh, which can be a lot of fun. Uh, we're both, you know, in there working on stuff. We are, you know, coming up with a, with a schedule, with ideas and the guy who like, it wouldn't, none of this would be possible without him too is, uh, Johnny Barks who edits for, for Brandon and, and Tom Grassi. who's just at the, you know, who's at the Super Bowl uh, with Tom when he won fan of the year. Uh, but he's a, he's a guy who behind the scenes is just incredibly, incredibly talented. That's the thing is like, I, I can put whatever on the page and I know that Brandon will, the way he reads it and the way he interprets it will make it, you know, five times funnier. And then the way that Johnny edits and pulls clips and, and adds humor through whatever it is, timing or music or any different part of editing. I've got two guys kind of on the other end of the conveyor belt who are going to make my work look a lot better. <laughs> so I think the, the, you know, the spirit of collaboration there is kind of the, the secret ingredient and, and what's made us so successful. And hopefully we'll <laughs> just keep it going. I hope so. Cause it, it irks me as someone who sits on the outside of this and you see the kind of massive contracts getting thrown around with big names, but far less entertaining. Um, <laughs> Are, is there anybody in mind who you'd like to bring up? <laughs> and I, I mean, we share a first name, but I don't really want to put specific names on it. But it, ah. it's that sort of thing where you look at sort of smaller creators carving out their niche on YouTube and being much better than the kind of bigger, more mainstream imitators. I really want that imbalance to be improved over the next few years because it's just the stuff that people are missing out on because it's not pushed in the more mainstream it's uh it's sad yeah well i think i think the important thing there is obviously there's there's so many good people in media who don't get paid enough and then there's you know guys maybe we you know <laughs> maybe he does share a first name with you uh who get a <laughs> just a massive bloated deal uh and and, you know those those guys are good at stuff too um but i think it's going to start to even out i think the nfl knows that i think espn knows that and they're kind of they're kind of tipping their hand in some ways uh especially the league in terms of collaborating with guys like us and uh not only that but giving us more access and giving us a longer leash, I'll say that, with stuff that we can pull to work with. Um, kind of like what they, you know, what other leagues do. Basically, the NBA and MLB figured out a long time ago that it's in their best interest to help the people who drive the interest of the sport. As like MLB, like as like foolish baseball, baseball doesn't exist. They use a ton of footage uh, and can have that monetized. And same with the NBA. You know, usually you don't run into problems there. With the NFL, they're, they have been incredibly strict. I think they're starting to pull off of that a little bit. Hopefully that trickles down to most creators. Um, but I, I guess to make my point, like 
I think that's going to start evening out. And there's an advantage to not having, you know, not being beholden to a network too, in that there's no one telling us what we can or can't say. They're not telling us how long our videos have to be. Uh, and they're not telling us, you know, they're not telling us what kind of content to make. So I think there's a, there's a freedom. It's, it's obviously harder to, to build something. It takes a long time. Like I've been with Brandon for coming up on six years. He's been doing it uh, by himself for over a decade. And it's a long grind, but if you can get there, the, the rewards are, are pretty, pretty endless. There's not really a ceiling uh, there. So there's, like I said, a lot of freedom to work with. Yeah, we've um, obviously we're over here in the UK, and uh, the international yeah. series has been going since two thousand. I'm going to say six. <laughs> I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's two thousand six. Yeah. We've we've got three games a year now here in the UK. Uh, regular season games. Previously, it was just pre-season uh, exhibition games that we had, and. It's grown so much in this country. We, we had a couple of guests on earlier. We had a gentleman, Nat Coombs, who is a presenter uh, for TalkSport. Mm-hmm. He has his own podcast as well. And we had a gentleman called Ben Isaacs, who's an author. He wrote a book about, uh, in fact, it's called The American Football Revolution, How Britain Fell in Love with the NFL. Uh, I'll call it another wee plug for Ben there. Um, and... We what we used to do. It must be completely different for someone growing up in the states. What we would do as, um, you know, in the nineties for me as a child, late eighties and early nineties as a child, I'd be shut up, Dave. I'm not that old. I would be <laughs> listening to uh, Armed Forces Radio right. over here at two o'clock in the morning, trying to get a signal with the aerial hanging out the bedroom when I should have been sleeping, you know, trying to hear. And there was like one game and you didn't, you know, you didn't know which game it was going to be. So for me, it could have been Cardinals Steelers. Uh, it could have been Bills versus Bengals. No idea what it was, but just the, the, the idea of this incredible sport that we didn't have right up until 19, I think it was 1982 or 83. And they showed the very first game on of American football, football. Uh, here in the UK, it's grown leaps and bounds. And because of YouTube and creators, uh, yep. the, the likes of which you've spoken about, it's now opened up a whole world to the entire world to watch the NFL. And it's just, it's wonderful. I cannot stress enough how much we appreciate everything guys like you and Brandon and Tom and all these guys who put everything in, and Tree, not forgetting him because I, I forgot him last time. Five Points, Scooter, everyone putting these videos together because um, the actual NFL network, for us to watch it, we have to pay for an app. Uh, it's called Dazon, D A Z N. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cost 150, what is that, 150 pounds for the, for the app? I mean, that's the most expensive app in the world, surely. 150 quid for an app. Right, right. Um, So the only way, the only other way that we can get regular digestive material of the NFL is through the likes of YouTube. It's through the likes of podcasts and YouTube videos. And it's just, it's wonderful. I don't know how about the the younger guys feel. Obviously, I'm an old man here. But uh, Jake, as an example for yourself, 
Um, what do you think? I mean, how has how has the NFL on YouTube changed your perspective of the NFL? Well, when I was getting into American football, trying to find NFL on YouTube was was hard because, like, what says they're so strict on it. You would find a channel that would upload, you know, a football life or nfl top 10s and you're oh yes i found a channel and then a week later that channel disappeared and you know yes you're going through the comments and someone's like i'll oh, try this channel you know you're trying your damnedest to find something whereas now like i say i open up my my youtube and it's straight there in my recommendations you know and it, it's in their best interest because it opens up things more than nfl i mean it's not in the nfl's best interest but it's in the media's best interest because someone like tree who i watch you know i all of a sudden, off-season comes up and there's a MLB guide, you know, haters guide. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll give this a watch. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I, I might give the MLB a watch. You know, YouTube and all, you know, TikTok, all these kind of things can get such a bigger audience than, than legacy TV because who really watches legacy TV these days? How many people? No, you're right. Not many people. I, I, I don't even watch, like, the, the terrestrial channels we have, the BBC I watched the BBC iPlayer later on, and it's like four programs because my wife loves game shows. I, I am a fan of, uh, I will say, BB, I don't, hopefully they're on BBC or else I'm you know, making myself look like a fool, but uh, Graham Norton and uh, mm. yep. later, BBC. later, yep. dot, 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 with Jules Holland, two uh, of my favorites. Yep. Yeah, Jules Holland is, Jules Holland is a, a living legend, living legend, Dang. what a yeah. guy. He's a man. Yes, uh, Dave. Did you have anything you wanted to uh, perhaps uh, else you wanted to say or, or ask? Will? Uh, I think I got my two the two questions I had, um, but yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, put him on the spot there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, that would never happen on this podcast whatsoever. It put me on the spot about anything. But uh, no, I don't think there's anything. I think um, what what I am looking forward to, though, because obviously I'm a, I would say I'm a newish subscriber to uh, well the majority uh, of of your YouTube channels. But uh, I'd say just keep doing what you're doing. You, you're doing amazing. So thank you for providing us with more content on this side of the pond because. Uh, I think we're very, we don't have a whole lot of um, NFL content creators just yet making it to any kind of peak. So, you know, we, we've got you as a kind of a, a good template. Plus, we always enjoy your content. So, yeah, very, it's very good to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And uh, it works two ways because mm-hmm. you guys you know, obviously watch, listen, interact. And, you know, without people like you, like we'd, you know, we'd be nothing. And I think we, hopefully like we try to do a good job of making, you know, the content as interactive as possible and kind of tailoring it to what you guys want to watch, but kind of, you know, put it simply like we'd, we'd be nowhere without people watching and listening. So I appreciate you guys as well. Also, that's just, we're all patting ourselves in the back. This is great. You got. I just want to see. I, I just want to see if you do suck at video games. You know, I need to. I, need <laughs> I, do. To know. I do. I do. No, it's true. It's it's true. It was kind of like the idea of that name was to give myself a shield, so people couldn't be like, "Dude, you're terrible in the comments. You suck at this." I'm like, 
Yeah, Duh. I know. <laughs> Come on, look at the look at the name of the channel. So yeah, that 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 one aged well. I will say that name aged well. Yeah, it's it, I I can't wait to see more videos on the well sucks at games. It, it's it's I, that's some of your best stuff. Please keep making that. Thank it's you. amazing. It. Uh, now we have already had see, yeah. how many how many random stats have we had, guys? Three hundred and more. Two, three, three. I've lost know. count already. Patrick, hand over to Patrick. This oh. is 303, about to be... Yeah. Oh, boy. Wilkies, would you like to provide us with a 303rd random stat on the WinFL show? Yeah, hopefully it's not already taken. Um, there's more than 303 stats out there, so the odds <laughs> are in my favor. Uh, I was thinking because we just had the Super Bowl and because I'm a Denver Broncos fan... I know that this is not true for any other team, but the Broncos have won three Super Bowls throwing one touchdown pass in those three games. If you'll believe it. <laughs> Think of the callbacks you had to do that. that yeah, Peyton what? Manning and John Elway. And they've thrown one touchdown pass combined in those three wins. That can't be right. <laughs> that can't be right. And that was Elway's like seventy-five yard bomb to Rod Smith, was it? The only one. Yeah, I I did see the other day that I think was against the Panthers. Peyton Manning threw thirteen of twenty-three for hundred and forty-one yards. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. so it was one of his better games that season too. Oh, she was <laughs> Super Bowl rough. MVP, baby. <laughs> All right, well, listen, hey, Von Miller got the Super Bowl MVP for that one, quite rightly so. Um, that can't yeah. be right. That is it right, is. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Davis, Terrell Davis rushed for three against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elway ran for one. Elway uh, ran for they've, one. They've played in seven Super Bowls, and they've thrown four touchdown passes in those games combined. I don't know. The number of interceptions has to be crazy, because I know Morton threw like four, oh, Elway threw plenty, uh, and then Manning threw three i think in his two against, Super Bowls. against the seahawks so, yeah yeah no, that was terrible. yeah versus like the 49ers if you oh. look at what the 49ers did in their five super bowl wins you had steve young through six uh montana had a game with five that was against the Broncos, yeah two and three and two so they had something like i think 18 touchdowns and no interceptions in their five super bowl wins and we have three wins and one touchdown pass. <laughs> There's more than one way to win a game. Hey, well, defense wins championships. Yeah. That it does. Defense, run the ball, play defense. Absolutely. Run the that's ball, what we're trying to do. play defense. You know, there you go. That's gospel words from Will Keys right there. <laughs> Absolute gospel. I can't believe it's one touchdown. And you had me Damn thinking because I was going back. I'm going to both say, so he had a big touchdown to Rod Smith. And I'm going, did he have any other touchdowns? Well, he rushed for one. And then there was the Terrell Davis game and he rushed for one there and yep. he rushed for one. Ah, and he had a running touchdown against the 49. Oh, of course, that was a loss, obviously. Actually, Elway rushed for a lot of touchdowns in the Super Bowl. He ran for, uh, I think. Because he had one against the one? Giants, didn't he? He did. And he had one he against did. the 49ers. He had a rushing and a throwing. And he had one against the. Packers 
and he had one against the Falcons. I don't know if he had no, he didn't yep. have one against the Redskins. He just had the the touchdown pass to Ricky. Yeah, uh, yeah, touchdown pass on the first on for, his first throw. Fifty six yards. Rest yeah. of that game not as good. No, second quarter we can just discount that. How do you yeah, let Tim- they took that second quarter out of there? The Broncos have four Super Bowls. How do you let Timmy Smith go for two hundred and four yards in his first NFL start? That's just ridiculous. Should have asked uh, 29 other teams how to defend him because they did it pretty well. Yeah. It's just <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen. Yeah, tough one. I'm glad I wasn't around for those. <laughs> um, thank you, Will, for stopping by. We honestly yeah. cannot. Thank you for having me. Uh, we, we've loved having you on. Uh, I'm sure I speak for everyone to say that. Um, if you ever have the chance again, Feel free to let us know. We'd, we'd more than happy to have you on here. It's great to have someone from yeah. uh, the States on a, a tiny podcast on some barren rock in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland. Uh, mm-hmm. just, we're sort of out in the Atlantic about 80 miles off the coast of the mainland here. So it's 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 absolutely wonderful to have you here and just cannot thank you enough. And keep doing what you're doing because uh, you and the rest of the guys are just doing something. Hopefully one day we'll be there. But uh probably going to be a, a wee while before we can make it that far in the nfl you got it man that's all i can say we're you know we're making videos and just sending them into into the void for a long time and the only way to do it is just just keep doing what you're doing so no you guys are great um i appreciate you having me on and uh yeah anytime you want to do it again just let me know so i had a great time thank you very much and uh, thank you to all our listeners to will keys thank you thanks guys so that was Will Keys of uh, Will Sucks at Games and That's Good Sports. <laughs> I'd, I'd lie that Will Sucks at Games. It, if you've not seen it, guys, I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. Go and watch the, the channel. The Backyard Football videos are hilariously funny. I need to find that game. Just absolutely just cannot wait to find it. Um, so episode 100 is basically done. We're going to be taking a two-week layoff. Uh, we are going to have two weeks off. And then, wouldn't you know, up comes the combine, the NFL draft, and everything else that we've got to talk about. Because the draft coming up, before you know it, the NFL draft will be upon us. But we've got plenty of news to talk about uh, as well. Before then, uh, I don't think we've actually missed anything this week, guys, have we? Have we missed anything? Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater retired. We're talking about Devin Hester being a Hall of Famer and being the best, you know, in his position. Well, Matthew Slater has retired and his PR is off the charts. I'll be surprised if he isn't a first ballot. Matthew Slater, special teamer for the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. If he gets in before Steve Tasker, mm-hmm. I will have words. I, I will have absolute words about that. No way. Trent Williams is Trent Williams is the only person since 2011 to have more Pro Bowl selections. Matthew Slater has the same Pro Bowl selections as Aaron Donald. So, you know, I won't be surprised if he gets there. <laughs> Whether your guy gets there first is, is another thing. You've got five years. He's on the clock. Uh, Steve Tasker should have gone in five years ago. So I don't know why he's not in. But then, you know, Randy Gladishar should have got in 40 years ago and he didn't. So there you are. What do I know about the, the, the Hall of Fame selections? Nothing, clearly. Um, now, 
before we we finish off uh does anyone have anything to add because i do have an extra bonus random stat and patrick's like will you stop doing random stats mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, keyboard's on fire what's going on here <laughs> um does uh, uh, dave do you have anything you wanted to you wanted to add at all wow here's to the next hundred i think that's all i, I want to say because it's been it's been a pleasure but it's been crazy at the same time who who i mean let's be honest the the odds were not in our favor or mostly because of me that we were going to get cancelled after just a couple so it was <laughs> it was kind of touch and go but you know we we made it somehow we did uh jake what about yourself anything you wanted to you wanted to add well, just obviously in our, our two-week break, as I mentioned a couple times in the podcast, the franchise or, or transitional tag is, is ongoing until March the 5th now. Mm-hmm. The the scouting combine is the 27th to the 5th. And then the new league year and free agency starts officially on March 13th. So although it will be quiet maybe for the next week or two, uh, it soon picks up. We'll come back, like I say, free agency. And then before you know it, yeah. we'll be talking about the draft. And obviously we'll have Ewan... And myself doing a mock draft, and we'll we'll see. Uh, and then not too long to the draft because that's April twenty fifth. So it'll soon be here. Yes, and uh, when we do come back after the two weeks, that will of course signal the return of you and McPhail's draft day fails, as well as a segment. And some of them already are absolute belters. Uh, Mister Jackson, Patrick Jackson. So anything else that you wanted to see for our 100th episode before I reveal a final random stat? Or do you actually have another random stat? Oh. See, I'm seeing a final I random stat. I don't have another random stat. Good. But I do have a couple of outing <laughs> thoughts. I mean, I, it, the off-season is a time for fans to just try and keep the expectations down and always get overexcited for next season. And particularly when you're a Jags fan. It's really dangerous to get too optimistic in the off-season. So it's nice to have kind of avenues like this to let the NFL enthusiasm out whilst keeping the uh, team-specific enthusiasm on the low. And I've only done like 5% of all your episodes, so I appreciate you including me on this because, you know, it's uh, a fraction of the amount that you three have put into it, the hundreds of hours. So I'm delighted to be included in this, um, particularly because I met two people for the first time who I deeply admire today and it's not often you get to do that in an afternoon so uh, shout out to Ben and Nat for coming on and it's been great to meet them for the first time well there was no way there was no way we were going to leave you off at 100th episode trust me when I say that um, you've been at, at one of our very first sort of tw- I keep seeing Twitter Twix Re- Commentator, regular, commenters, yeah, regular listeners, commentators, <laughs> comment, commenters, yeah, regular listener, commenter from pretty much the word go, and there was absolutely no way that we were going to leave you off. Sis. you are one hundred percent a part of the Winifel Show family, and that is an absolute guarantee. So you, you don't need to thank us; we should be thanking you. Um, now we've got time for one more random stat. It's a story. It's not really a stat. But it's a story. And we're going to talk about a wide receiver. Wide receiver who played for the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the Detroit Lions, the San Diego Chargers, because that's who they were at the time, and the New England Patriots. Um, And his name, two-time Super Bowl winner and one-time Pro Bowler, Marlon Briscoe. Now, 
You may or may not know who Marlon Briscoe is. As I say, he was a two-time Super Bowl winner with the Miami Dolphins in the 70s. Um, he made a Pro Bowl in 1970 as a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills and actually came ninth in the MVP voting for that year as a wide receiver. But I found out something about Marlon Briscoe when I was researching my first random stat, which of course was about Tim Tebow. Because why wouldn't it be? It's the 100th episode. You know I'm going to mention mm. Tebow. Well, it turns out that um, in 1968, which was his first year in the league, he was a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And he was the first black quarterback in the NFL. And in his rookie season, he led the NFL with 17.1 yards per completion. So he made a Pro Bowl as a wide receiver. He uh, had two Super Bowl rings as a wide receiver for the Dolphins. But in his first year, he was a quarterback, league's first black quarterback, and he led the NFL as a rookie, 17.1 yards per completion. That is the story of Marlon Briscoe. And that is the 304th random stat of the NFL show on episode 100. Do you want to add on a little Nominally bit more? On yeah, no, you can add on a little bit more uh-huh. because he's the only player to have been intercepted by a Patriot player and later to have caught a touchdown as a Patriot receiver. Seriously? According to Wikipedia. Uh, well, <laughs> there you go. Bonus Wikipedia random stats. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia is never wrong. What are you talking about? Bonus random stats. Marlon Briscoe. What a guy. There we go. Fantastic. What way to end the hundred? Wow. There we are. So, gentlemen, we have reached the end of our one hundredth episode of the WinFL show. Uh, I'm going to give a huge thanks out, of course. Uh, shout out, huge thanks and shout out, of course. <laughs> Can't even speak now. That's a couple of whiskeys in. Come on, uh, Nat Coombs. Uh, just uh, fantastic to have Nat on the show. Couldn't believe it when Legend. he when he actually agreed to be on the show, even though within uh, twenty seconds I absolutely mortally offended the man. But that's okay. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> to Ben Isaacs, <laughs> to Ben Isaacs, author of the American Football Revolution: How Britain Fell in Love with the NFL. If you don't have this book yet, go onto Amazon, buy the book, read the book. Review it on Amazon, and even if you hate it, give it five stars. That's what to do. Uh, for Ben, great guy. Wonderful of him to come back on. And a huge thanks to Will Keys, of course, uh, all the way from Sacramento, California. Good grief. It's like, what, midday? Midday now. Midday now. It was like 11 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning when he joined us. So, you know, hats off to the guy. Uh, and, of course, from Dave and Jake and myself, Huge thanks to Patrick. Uh, love the shirt, Patrick. I should have got one of those. <laughs> I should have got one. I didn't. Uh, the horse cock lock shirt is just absolutely brilliant. Um, and for the final time this year, because I'm calling this the end of the year, even though, you know, the, the last one was the last one of the Super Bowl. Um, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure as always. Jake, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure, and I shall see you on the other side. Patrick, thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure as always. 
We're going to take a two-week break. So we will be back uh, in March. We'll be back in March. It'll actually be the uh, 13th of March will be our next recording. So it'll likely be uploaded on the 14th of March. Uh, and we will see you on the 2024 season's first episode, episode 101 of the NFL Show.